Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 11 of the Sex Cells podcast. Hope you've been enjoying the journey so far. Um, if you haven't already, please click follow or subscribe on whatever app it is that you listen to our podcast. Eliza, how are you today? I'm I'm doing good. It's a it's a nice day. Mm-hmm. Happy Sunday. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. The weather has improved dramatically here in Sydney. Although it's been a bit it's been a bit on and off. Like Friday was raining and then it suddenly got hot again. We've so. gone straight into the weather chat. <laughs> I well, love what's it. With the weather chat. <laughs> we always oh, go to the weather. To say. I'm not good with small talk. <laughs> Actually, I have I have exciting news. You know okay. how in that podcast that came out picking up and yep. I was saying my privilege rant about being banned from Uber and Uber Eats and I was like if anyone works for there I must have manifested it because three days later I met someone who works for Uber Eats beautiful so she's gonna unban me so everything's everything's coming together in my life well you're welcome <laughs> yeah thanks. it wasn't for me <laughs> you wouldn't have been unbanned from Uber Eats well let's see if it actually happens so <laughs> I mean it'd be a bit weird if she says that and then that's not something you'd really lie about is it she's a really beautiful person so I'm sure she'll do it <laughs> You're saying beautiful people are less likely to lie? (laughs) Beautiful on the inside and outside. That is a thing, isn't it? Didn't you say in one of the um, podcasts we have a bias towards attractive people? A beauty bias, yeah. We trust them a lot more. Absolutely, yeah. Sad. (laughs) But also makes a lot of sense. It does make sense, yeah. And speaking of uh, beauty and looks and such, today we're going to talk about Another topic that uh, is prominent in the dark depths of the World Wide Web. <laughs> Probably not even that. that. That's such a boomer thing to say. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Um, it's know. actually a very mainstream thing now. <laughs> MGTOW. <sighs> men going their own way. If you don't know, MGTOW stands for men going their own way. Uh, I'm definitely not an expert in this, but I do believe it is a broadly defined, loosely affiliated group of Men, mostly men, but I think there are some women who, uh, I guess, respect the Mm. mentality. And they're basically detaching from society. They're saying the institutions that men used to adhere to, that used to look up to and aspire to, are not worth it anymore. So they're deciding not to get married. They're deciding not to even... I'm not sure if they... Some of them might not even pursue women at all. Yeah. Uh, Or at the very least, they're definitely not looking for long-term relationships um, and they're going their own way. They're not going the way society tells them to go. Yeah. Um, it's quite prominent. There are some uh, big YouTubers that I subscribe to that they themselves su- subscribe to the MGTOW ideology. Mm. Again, it's quite loosely defined. I think there are a lot of men who might say, you know, I'm part of MGTOW men going their own way, but it, it doesn't come with a precise set of principles as as far as I'm aware of. Um, do you know much about this uh, this concept hmm. and what are your thoughts on the on the matter? It's a it's a tricky one because there are some people that kind of phrase it in this way that it's about men uh, bettering themselves and working on themselves without the intention of you know, being appealing to a woman um, and it's about, it, yeah, it's just about yourself and how you can progress and how you can be ambitious and find fulfillment within your own life. Mm-hmm. But then I think majority of the um, the websites I've read on it and the, the massive, like the most popular videos and podcasts about it are all about 
pretty much resenting women being like, what happens when we get divorced? Women get the money and this happens and thinking that um, feminism, the increase of feminism has ruined society. Mm. So I think that any kind of group or movement that comes from a place of resentment, in my opinion, is never going to be helpful um, or a, a positive thing. Okay, so let's let's talk about marriage in 2020 then. <laughs> uh, a lot of the, like you said, a lot of the uh, opinions espoused from men in the MGTOW movement, and not even in the MGTOW movement, just a lot of men today, they would say, well, what's what does marriage mean for men in 2020? What's in it for me? Mm. You know, historically, there were much clearer defined roles mm. in at least a heterosexual marriage where... The men would be the the breadwinner and the woman would stay home, look after the kids, be the homemaker, and then they loved each other, hopefully (laughs) cherished each other, raised a family together and retired together and that was life. Whereas nowadays, uh, a lot of people still do that and a lot of people do that very happily, but there are more options. And look, even personally, I look at some of the um, contractual obligations of marriage, some of the divorce statistics, Hmm. and I don't really see it as something that I'm 100% aspiring towards. I I see it as something that if it were to happen, it happens, Hmm. and I would make the best of it, but it's not something I'm angling towards. It's not something I'm um, taking precise steps to to achieve in my life because now I'm, you know, nearing my late 20s. So it's the time Mm. you start to think about marriage and and settling down. Mm. What do you think of uh, that maybe more moderate opinion of uh, marriage today where it's not necessarily based on a huge resentment towards women and feminism, but it's more, Mm. well, what's what's in it for me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, I think that that's fair and that it's there's totally a, a lot of people decide not to get married or have that like my brother and his partner have been together for years and years and they've never been married and they've got a kid together. Mm. But part of the MGTOW movement that I see so much, the top videos that have millions of views and like one of them had 11,000 comments in support pretty mm. much of this this guy and he was saying it, it cannot physically exist that a woman will love you in return it's a myth that they've made up to get benefits from you and the court system is all about benefiting you and i think that's it's kind of like almost two different things um yeah what what uh can you go into more details mm. about that statement he made that yeah it's impossible yeah. for a woman to love yeah you? What so he, he was saying that women lure you in this is one of the most popular Guys, I don't know what his name was, but it has half a million views. And if you look up MGTOW, mm-hmm. it's like the top video. He's sitting in his car having an hour-long rant about it. And um, he's saying women don't truly love you. They um, are self-serving. They kind of use – it's within their biological nature to um, kind of pick a man that they think can give them the most resources, marry them, um, and then get what they can from them. And then when they've got it, they'll leave. And so he was kind of going on and on and on. And all these people were commenting saying, yep, my wife, ex-wife did this. Most of them are divorced men. Mm. Um, And the other thing that they were saying was just that women don't have the capacity to feel love and feel 
um, committed. So I thought like as a woman re- listening to that, I was like, oh, you to speak for and then, for us about that. And so I look, I haven't mm. seen this video, but when he says women can't feel love, if a woman is in a marriage and she's saying to the man, I love you, what is she, is she just lying or is yeah, she using he, him? He, he was saying it was like a, it's a technique of manipulation to keep you trapped. Um, so that was, a, okay. and I just couldn't believe, like, I was thinking surely everyone watching this would be like, that's ridiculous. But the amount of support that came on this was ridiculous. I was so shocked at it. Mm. And I there's one, um, a podcast that's really popular about it, and it's literally called The Awakened Man, which I thought was um, ironic. But he says kind of the same things as well about he, – and he's married as well with a kid, but he's like – He's married. Yeah. Him. Okay. But he's like, doesn't that go against his principles? Yeah. And he says, when I raise my, when my daughter, I think she's like, I don't know, eight or nine, he's like, I will be raising my daughter to be conservative, be extremely traditional. And I'll be telling her the facts that, um, you know, she can't sleep with people because a man will never want her if she's had sexual partners. And statistically, women are more likely to be violent, crazy drug addicts if they've had sex with multiple people. So. logic and that's on Statistic, the un- <laughs> is there any actual statistics that back that up or did he just say that i don't think uh, people get really confused with correlation and yeah. um and rather than causation so i think people think um okay you read a stats and it will be like most people that um are drug addicts have multiple sex sexual partners that's correlation and he's interpreting it as oh, the drugs multiple that. sexual partners equals drug addiction so causation yeah, yeah. and it's, it's just like taking a stat and and misinterpreting it mm. um so and another thing that people in in this MGTOW community keep saying is that women what's the point of being with women when all they do is nag at you rant um go on about things there's literally no purpose to a woman other than sex (laughs) and so that's kind of it's like so anti-feminist but then you know i do see like really popular and um famous men's coaches that focus on you know finding your self-worth and confidence within yourself and that's what their view of it is yeah but yeah yeah okay interesting um my overarching opinion of it is again i think this is a very loosely affiliated group of people Mm. that probably have very different ideas about women Mm. um seeing that video it sounds like there are a lot of men who uh have endured a bad divorce and Mm. then get quite resentful and have been hurt by one particular woman and then blame women at large and also a society that they deem has allowed women to get away with what they think they've um, gotten away with. Mm. Um, I think, you know, a lot of men, even if we talk, come back to what we were talking about a few podcasts ago when we talk about incels and, mm. and, and this new phenom- newer phenomenon of a lot of uh, younger men who are just not engaging with women and mm. are more likely to just look at porn um, or play video games. Um I think there is a certain element of a fairy tale having been sold where you are this hero, you are this, uh, if you are a beautiful, loving uh, gentleman, a woman will just fall head over heels for you and she'll just want to give you everything and she'll always care for you and protect you and you can Mm. protect her and care for her. 
And there's a much different reality mm-hmm. that exists. I mean, there's definitely been elements of that that I've uh, fallen for mm-hmm. in in the past, and and it it does ruin relationships mm-hmm. because you have this idealistic um, image of what a relationship should be, and it often is this. Uh, it's an unrealistic depiction of perfection. Essentially, it's a fairy tale, and a real relationship is never like that. You exactly. Know, a real man yep. is never going to be a handsome, beautiful prince and a real woman is, is not going to be, you know, this um, perfect princess mm-hmm. that's going to just cater to you for everything. Mm-hmm. You've got to make compromises there. You've got to make sacrifices. And I have a suspicion that a lot of the resentment and anger that some of these men face is because that their relationship didn't live up to that fairy tale. Yeah, yeah, absolutely spot on. And someone um, phrased this in a really good way. I can't remember who it was, but whoever it was said it perfectly where he was like, you know, every society disadvantages every group in some way. As a woman, society will disadvantage me in some ways, you know, it'll disadvantage you in some ways as an Mm -hmm. entrepreneur or as, you know, whatever. Um, Who knows? But everyone is disadvantaged in some ways and it's shit and society itself can be set up in a way that is, we all have our problems with it and the way that it is in Australia and um, Western countries or just around the world. But he was saying that if you look at it like a chessboard, um, some people are going to look at it being like, what's going to be, okay, I'm not, look, it's not looking good here. What's going to be my best move? How am I going to move forward? Let's look at this strategically. And then the people of like the MGTOWN movement, he was saying, were thinking, well, look at this. My, I've got so unlucky, like the pieces, I've, it's already screwed up. I'm just going to leave and, and like fuck this game off. It's done. Okay, that's a that's a very interesting analogy mm. there. Um, well, there's definitely a certain truth to human beings being quite self-serving, and, and a lot of uh, mm. manipulation can sometimes occur subconsciously, yeah. uh, even in relationships. But I think that de- that that's just a human thing. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. not a, a woman thing. Mm. Um, I do think there's there's a bit more of a moderate approach to to be taken about on on issues such as um, divorce outcomes for yeah. men and relationships uh, ending and there's some truth to what they say, I think, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and the way that men and husbands and fathers are depicted in the media today, it doesn't at least look to be uh, particularly appealing. Mm -hmm. You know, you think of just take a dad joke. Oh, it's obviously going to be a lame joke. Mm -hmm. Dads are always the ones that are the butts of jokes. They're being laughed at. Everyone's all rolling their eyes at them like, oh, silly dad, Mm -hmm. embarrassing dad. Um, And sometimes I do see people in marriages that have that particular dynamic where, well, the the woman wears most of the pants. Yes. And uh, I don't think that's fair to blame the woman in that situation i think certain things would have happened in that relationship to get to that point it probably didn't start out that way um and i look at that and i think i don't want that you know Mm. i don't want to be in a really unhappy marriage where you stick with someone just because of the kids or just because you're supposed to um but i'm being say disrespected or i'm you know just getting nagged at constantly or uh, whatever that stereotypical um, loser husband is, mm-hmm. you know, I definitely don't want to be that. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of men don't either. Yeah. So there's part of that that I, I see and I, it, it comes with a bit of uh, fear there. 
Yeah. But you have to sort of, I think you have to look at that a bit deeper than just, oh, yeah, women just do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's also on you a little bit. If you've let the relationship get to yes, that point, yeah. if you let um, a wife who maybe has some of those tendencies, mm. uh, first of all, then it's on you to then leave her or mm. to stand up for yourself mm-hmm. and not let it get to that point. So that's why that element of the MGTOW movement, which talks about self-development mm-hmm. and not living vicariously through uh, a relationship or living for a woman but living for yourself and then maybe living for maybe okay look living for the relationship itself but not uh, bending over backwards just to please someone because you think that gives you because that gives you a sense of self-worth I think that part uh, of the ideology if it's articulated in a in a non-resentful way, mm. is very helpful. I think it is too. But the, the difference is with the MGTOW thing is it says that you cannot do these things within a relationship and that's why it's like you need to be doing this independently. Whereas I think that you can and you should be practicing this within a relationship because if you're doing it on your own, it's a different dynamic when someone yeah. comes into your life. But I definitely agree that there's going to be parts of the MGTOW movement um, because it is, they base this movement off facts and you're right, like 80 to 90% of divorces end because the women end the, in the relationship mm-hmm. and women may get men, their partner's money out of the divorce, which I can kind of understand sometimes if I've, you know, if I've spent five years raising our kids working like as a stay at home mom that's five years of income I haven't had and yeah. then to have divorce and be left nothing. So there are kind of like um, two sides to that one. But of course, the thing is with um, with with relationships, yeah, the, the divorce rates are pretty scary at the moment and I get why people are just saying like, what's the point in that? Um, maybe this movement is a little bit more extreme and there can just be a movement of, I don't want to get divorced. I don't want to get married. I just want to do my thing <laughs> rather than women are the cause for this. That's the only thing is some of the MGTOW movement. There's <laughs> yeah, this kind okay, of underlying thing that it's mean. about women. Yeah. yeah. Women no, aren't the issue. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean and I see that. It can definitely come across and it, it is that way for, yeah. the, for the most part. Yeah, and there's a reason why most of the men that are like successful with women and successful within themselves aren't a part of that movement. Because they don't, they don't really associate it with it. They're just like, well, I don't see an issue with women. Mm. They want to have someone that can provide resources. That kind of makes sense, <laughs> you know. So re- loyalty can be a resource. What do you uh, go into that a bit more? Because when they talk about resources and resourceful men, basically, they're, they're as far as I'm aware, they're talking about rich men, basically, aren't they? Like the they're women t- are yeah. trying to chase the the richest men and. They have that to, what hypergamy where yes, uh, women yeah. are always just trying to marry find, up your yeah, social marry class up and yeah, yeah. trying to find and if they then they get sick of one man then they yeah. go and move on to the next yeah. one or whatever. Yeah. Um, now I don't think that I think that's a very human thing. I don't think that's I think men will do that, but it'll be it won't be resource based. Well, first of all, mm-hmm. not all women will do that, mm-hmm. but there are some women that will have tendencies to do that. But then there'll be some men that have tendencies to. I mean, look at all the a lot of celebrity men. Like, all right, you know, I'm, this girl's younger and more attractive. I'm mm-hmm. moving on. So, mm-hmm. uh, I think humans can be very self-serving, and we've got to find a way to be able to please ourselves and give ourselves what we deem uh, we're worthy of, 
yeah and what we're able to achieve whilst also being caring and being altruistic yeah. and being yeah. kind the hypergamy thing comes up a, a lot with the MGTOW movement like it's their kind of like go-to thing being like this is biology that women will want to marry with people that have more resources or more money or more of this this and this they want to marry up and then I see hundreds of thousands of comments being like can you believe that my when me and my wife got divorced or ex-wife got divorced six months later she had a new partner or three months later she'd moved on like and that's the kind of thing that makes them um like so bitter as well being like that just proves that she was only with me with for what she could get but realistically all kind of relationship therapists and coach will say that it's it's a benefit to realize that you have the worth that you know in a in a partnership you provide um love and companionship and this and that and that um and you provide a lot to me but if we were to break up Mm -hmm. you know i I can i can move on and i can get on with my life and that shouldn't be looked at as something as like women are the devil because they can move on because women typically do move on maybe a little bit faster and we've talked about before it's easier for women to find like typically partners than it is for men (laughs) nowadays yeah Yeah. well it always has been probably yeah well (laughs) yeah exactly um but uh, yeah it's just this it's an interesting movement but i think that anything that comes from a place of like victimhood or resentment isn't isn't going to be healthy but if it's coming from a place of like i'm empowering myself and i don't want to be a part of this system then i think it's it's okay and it should be positive yeah, and I think just questioning the system and some yeah. of the cultural norms is a good thing. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you that if it is just born completely out of bitterness and resentment, mm-hmm. it's unfortunate and I, I have a, a certain le- level of empathy for men who are in that situation. Mm. Um, I know what it's like to, you know, go through a breakup and then very soon after you see the girl with mm-hmm. another guy. It's not, it's not fun at all. Um, but that shouldn't affect you it doesn't real when you really think about that rationally mm-hmm. there's no need for it to determine your self-worth or to affect you um mm-hmm. and whatever emotions whatever negative emotions you may be feeling they're going to be temporary and they're um coming from your ego i'm getting too, too <laughs> hippie it's, <laughs> it's true. true it's true it's absolutely true um yeah so i Again, it comes back to me saying I think there's like a moderate approach to take this. I think there's where there's smoke, there's fire. And now the some of these men, especially the ones that would be commenting and things are like the extreme version. Mm. Um, but look, cultural norms around marriage and dating and relationships have changed Massively. a lot in a in a in relatively speaking a very short amount mm-hmm. of time. If you talk to our grandparents. Mm-hmm their outlook of marriage and relationships would be vastly different, impossibly different Mm -hmm. to the way we look at it. Now, I saw this video, uh, it would have been a few months ago, where um, it was actually, it was quite a prominent feminist talking about how marriage is very oppressive towards women. And she was saying that, you know, the veil that represents virginity and then, you know, the father walking the girl down the aisle is basically, Mm. this is my property, it's now your property. Mm. (laughs) And uh, it's all very much a ceremony that signifies... The proposal itself. Ownership. Yeah. And 
all it had mm. such a bad ratio of dislikes there were mm. so many dislikes and all the comments were saying well obviously she's going to be angry look no one would want to marry her <laughs> and um i i agreed with her on that video really yeah i just sort of thought what is this weird ceremony that people do where a woman's in this grand white dress yeah and then it gets walked down the aisle and all these friends of family are like <laughs> yes yes you guys are only having sex with each other for the rest <laughs> of your life it's kind of bizarre to me um and for so long it just was it's just the thing to do mm. when you when you're in your mid-20s for, well for many people even earlier, earlier yeah that's what you have to do you know get a get an apartment get a house have mm-hmm. your career sorted get married have kids now I don't, there's no sort of real, I, I understand a career in a house, right? Mm. Because that's security, that's financial yep. security. Now, you can make the argument that marriage comes with emotional security, but what is so different between being married and then just being in a long-term monogamous relationship other than just, a, well, there's a legal contract that comes with it mm. and the actual wedding, which I don't, like, I, I feel like the wedding's more for the woman usually Typically. like i don't care about yeah. all that <laughs> but, but i mean and it's so expensive as well yeah they are <laughs> bloody like... expensive i wouldn't say maybe not typically but maybe more so leaning towards the it's it is a thing that's special to women and i love that you and i are on this because we're like so different i'm like so pro marriage and okay. like love okay. it well, yeah great like i want to hear yeah. your um yeah it's not again it's not that i'm particularly against it or i re- i mm. i'm repulsed by it or anything um, just I just don't understand it. Like it just yeah. uh, if you love someone, to me it's it's similar almost to say uh, birthdays, Christmas, Father's mm. Day, Mother's Day. If you have a good relationship with your mother or father or with your family, or if and and if you love someone and you have a commitment towards them, you show that every day. You don't just have this one big grand ceremony where it's this great magical day. You know, every day when you wake up, you got to care for them. You got to yeah. you know prioritize them. Mm. Uh, look, I understand there's some something to be said about symbolism and cultural significance, mm. but that's all it is to me. It's just like this kind of symbolism that doesn't really stand for what it used to stand for, but it still looks good, so we do it. Yeah. Because like all the, yeah. the, all the norms of it, mm. even, you know, till death do us part or, you know, to have and hold through better or worse, but now the, the funny thing people say is like to have and hold uh, – through better or divorce because <laughs> like none of that even means yeah. anything anymore so yeah, yeah i never I even just... hear those those vows or anything that's anymore i feel like people don't do them like the weddings i've gone to in the last couple of years i haven't people just say their own things right yeah, yeah. so people are definitely yeah. changing it and and mm. manipulate well not manipulate but like yeah. uh, altering it to suit mm. them but i just still think like why um for, for me at least it's just you know the, the whole getting on one knee and like, oh, you, I just want to be with you for the rest of my life. It's, it's, I don't, <laughs> like, it just doesn't appeal to me. I mean, again, yeah. maybe I'll find a girl that changes that one yeah. day. But uh, and it's and and you know, if you talked to me a few years ago, I would have been in favor of it, but I wouldn't have been questioning it. I, I would have just thought, yeah, that's just mm. the thing you do. Yeah, but you know what? There's there's going to be certain things in everyone's life that it's not going to, not everyone's going to fit into the mold. It's like fence sitters, like people yeah. like me. I'm like, I can't wait to have babies, and then some people mm. are like, I just 
don't get it. Like, why would you want a child? It's just not, and those people should not have children. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's funny, just really quickly, the yeah. whole irony is like, I would love to, I, I think I do want to be a father, yeah, right? Yeah. I just don't want to be married. Yeah, that's <laughs> so totally like, fair. <laughs> Go find someone. Yeah, no, uh, that's, that. that's totally fair. And, you know, like a lot of what we see of marriage these days is just fighting, um, negativity, and exactly. it, it doesn't seem like a positive thing. And um, then you get the feminists coming in being like, well, the veil represents this. Like, you know what, we have traditions that are outdated and, and things like that. I, I wouldn't even think of that as the veil. I'm like, of, oh, I don't want to say obviously. I'm, yeah, like I, <laughs> I wouldn't want to think. I wouldn't be thinking when I put a veil on, like, this represents virginity. No, like, it would just be like, you know what, true. I've thought about this my whole life and um, it's it's my day, it's uh, it's our day. Yeah, there, <laughs> Whoops, oh, there you go. Freudian slip. slip right <laughs> guys are right. <laughs> no. Yeah, but, um, and, like, you know, dad walking me down the aisle, my dad wouldn't give two shits about, like, giving handing over his property but it would just be like it's a way to include my dad into like a special moment for me um for us (laughs) but another one (laughs) straight afterwards but you know i think that it's i i get that it's this what's the difference between a long-term commitment and marriage like why not just be with someone and like i think that what you know we've talked about in the past that one of the best like indicators for not only just mental health but happiness is having purpose and i think that that can mm-hmm. run parallel into your relationship like uh, most of the relationship gurus experts researchers therapists um will say that it's really important to have like a love map right like an idea of where you're going within the next five years do you what do you see us doing here do you want to be here like where do you see us going and so part of can you just explain that a little bit more what do you mean by a a love map yeah is it is it sort of mapping out where the relationship wants to go or where the two individuals want to be in five years it's both yeah it's both because for someone um like me when i get into a relationship i've had lots of long-term relationships i have these chats about marriage with everyone but then Mm. i'll have friends that have been you know with their partners for five six years i've never ever brought up marriage i've never brought up um, children, but they, one of them definitely want, well, my friend is like always saying like, you know, she wants it, but I'm like, why yeah. haven't you discussed that? Yeah, That's a massive reason for the divorce, which I guess we can get into later, the reasons for it. Um, so a love, a love map is this like concept um, made by, have you ever heard of um, John, John Gotham? No. John, he's like a really, really well-known relationship he's not a therapist he's a researcher so he did like long-term studies on married couples um for 14 to 20 years on on, um, a bunch of couples he's like interviewed 3,000 couples over the years about it and so why he's so popular is that he was able to predict within 15 minutes to 85% accuracy or more whether or not a couple is going to divorce and pretty much all of his predictions from you know 30 20, 12 years ago were correct yeah. now whether or not they got divorced. Okay. Uh, and he's been saying like it's so important to know where do you see yourself in five years because if I was 
with you and you ask me that, I'd be like, well, I'll be working for myself. I'll be doing this. I'll be doing sex and relationship therapy. But I also want two kids and I want to be living on a farm and and blah, blah, blah. And I want to be married. And it's you might lot. be like, for well, five years, good <laughs> yeah, you might be like, well, I want to be in Europe. Um, like I want to travel of course, and yeah. that kind of thing. And those discussions should be happening often. But does that lead to, to those differences leading up to marriage? Does that contribute to divorce? Uh, because I would have yeah. thought divorces would be issues within a marriage after all of that's been mapped mapped out and planned out. Well, this is the thing is that people often get married without having ever discussed that. So that's why I'm always like such an advocate for premarital counseling. It's like it's pretty much where you sit okay. down with a counselor and you discuss like what kind of school do you want to send your kids to, public or private? Like do you yeah, want to live in the okay. city or at the beach? Those kind of things. It cause big rifts, yeah. those sorts of things. And then they add up. And yeah, yeah, but even that just sounds like so much work. Yeah, it's <laughs> like I don't want to life do that. is hard work. It's yeah, I know, I know. Don't yeah. get, no one, no one uh, uh, yeah. says that more than I do. Yeah, but like going to a counseling session to discuss whether or not to send the kids to public or private school. Like, I don't want to do that. But you haven't at this point. You know, <laughs> you haven't had the kids. You haven't even been married. It's like it's astounding to me. I think that you know maybe you and I, hmm. even though we have different views of relationships, we're probably we're good communicators and we'll be able to be like, look, this is what I want to do. But a lot of Definitely. people aren't like, like my yeah, friends okay. that have never even discussed if they're going to have children and have been together or if they want children and they've been together for that many years, why don't you just bring it up kind of thing? Okay. That, um, yeah, that's a bit bizarre. And some me. people are uncomfortable with that and they're like, no, um, I'll wait. Or, you know, have, um, friends that I've known that have been waiting for, um, hoping he'll propose one day yeah and i'm like well why don't you just ask him and say is this something you see for us and they're like no 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 i'm not gonna ask him it's gonna add pressure and i'm like well you're within your right to know if that's something that he even wants and he's within his right to say yes or no but you should you should have that figured out you don't have to be like on what day will you propose to me it's just like Mm. do you see you know we've been together for three years do you see marriage as a potential with me or do you see that you could want to do that or do you want to be with me long term yeah that definitely makes a lot of sense if anything that almost seems like the uh counterpoint to a man who sees all his self-worth in being the perfect husband uh if a woman's too scared to even bring up the question Mm. in case it puts pressure on the man and then he might detach and say no if that's if you're pressuring me i'm gonna leave then let him (laughs) well then then that's a good thing yeah it'd be sad i'm sure especially if you've been dating for five years but yeah that if that's something it's better that now you than want in 15 and it's on the cards you've mm. got to have the self-confidence and and the self-worth to to bring that up exactly. um there are there is going to be conflict in any relationship mm. as i'm sure you as a therapist mm. you did here here mm. i go like explaining <laughs> your job <laughs> let me let me tell you what therapy is okay um <laughs> It's it is crazy to think that there's like this perfect relationship where no one there's never any fights, never any conflict. Mm. And if you're just if there is conflict, if you're thinking, oh, I just got to be better, ooh, no, that's a bad mm-hmm. um, mentality. Hey, it could be that you, you've done something wrong and you yeah. need to work on that. But um, in many instances, there seems to be. Tell me if I'm correct here, right? Mm-hmm. There, there seems to be uh, a power dynamic in many relationships where someone starts to usurp control and then the other person starts to doubt themselves loses self-worth and then 
ends up thinking, oh, all the issues in the relationship are because of me. Now, a lot of people might think, oh, that only that is generally the the woman who ends up in that situation. And mm-hmm. maybe in, in most situations it is, but there are definitely situations where um, a man can be the one who loses all their self-confidence oh, and for sure. is a victim of yeah. emotional abuse yeah. and is in just this horrific relationship and feels like they cannot simply cannot leave because mm-hmm. they aren't, are fulfilling their purpose if they break up with a woman or they've failed or mm. still to this day the most interesting thing one of the most interesting things we discussed on this podcast is when I asked you like when you've broken up with someone have you ever felt like oh I failed and you just adamantly no. like no never yeah it's really interesting I think a lot of, <laughs> a lot of men well a lot of people but I definitely I, I can say a lot of men uh when they when they break up and and statistically more often than not it's mm-hmm. it's the woman initiating the breakup and and this yep. is in heterosexual relationships mm-hmm. will spiral into negative self-talk and say wow i i failed i yeah. didn't i didn't fulfill my role as the boyfriend as the husband mm. um and and going back to mctow i guess and i just mctow sounds so weird <laughs> uh mgtow uh going back to that and the and the self development aspect of that, and the self worth and the confidence aspect of that, that that a lot of the mm. coaches are teaching men, uh, that can really really help. Yeah, I think though it needs to be coming at from a different perspective because perspective is everything and knowledge is everything. So you say, you know what, fifty percent ballpark end in divorce, but it's more let's than that, isn't yeah, it? yeah, well. Yeah, it's about that. It's actually decreasing since 2016. I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, is that true? Yeah, it, it is. is. It just in Australia or um, you know, yeah, yeah, around the world, but also mainly Australia is big. Um, and there's a few reasons for that. So I think that if we know the reasons for divorce and we educate ourselves on marriage and successful yep. relationships, the studies show that people are significantly more happy if they're in a happy marriage. That's However, true. That's very, yeah. if you're in an unhappy marriage, that's the you're going to have much more, um, m- much more mental health issues or just issues with wor- uh, self worth and, and unhappiness yeah. than the standard single person. So, if you're in a good relationship, it's going to be the best thing for you. If you're in a bad relationship, it's going to be the worst thing for you. Is the summary. Mm. <laughs> if you're it's single, you'd probably be floating around the middle somewhere or, or veering to one of those sides. And not sure. That's true. It's and up that, in the air. And that's for the average person. Yeah. I think there are some people that if they know themselves as uh, uh you know the famous philosopher said know thyself you would be able to tell hey i would be happier with the security and safety of a long-term partnership mm. slash marriage or i am a bit more of a free spirit and i'd rather just have yeah. six month relationships for the rest of my life yeah so just because statistically uh it leans one way doesn't mean that you personally mightn't fit that mold absolutely and mm. i i just want to go back to yeah so so maybe let's not just talk about mgtow but men in general uh detaching from from marriage mm-hmm. because i think there are a lot of men that I, I haven't looked at any sort of research papers but i've read quite a few articles mm. that talk about how in bigger cities now there's a lot of women who are in their late 20s early 30s uh even up to you know throughout their 30s that you know they're usually they're quite successful Mm. uh they're intelligent they've they've done well for themselves they've got a great job 
but they just can't find a man, right? They talk about this man drought or whatever. Mm. And then there's a lot of men in that same age range that just, um, there probably are a lot of men available, but they're not fitting a certain criteria or they're not looking for marriage or a long-term partnership. Mm. Um, why do you think that is? I, I think part of it is like what I discussed before, at least you were fed this idea that marriage, you know, if you were the, if you were a husband, you were a father, that's your next step in life. And there's yeah. so much purpose and meaning mm. that comes with that. Whereas now I think about dads and I think about husbands and there, there are some that I look at, again, this often comes from one observations of social media and, and, or two, just, you know, basic questions yeah. I'm asking my friends and peers. I'm not, you know, I don't have a camera in, in yeah. the house. And I probably shouldn't, <laughs> you know, I don't know the ins and outs of their marriage and mm. what it, how it works, but it definitely doesn't, it, it just doesn't look like something, uh, that's really appealing for, for, well, for anyone. It's a, it seems to be a lot, a lot of fights and, and they're always talking about how marriages work, marriages work. Mm-hmm. Now I am more than happy to work for something, to work for a cause, to work for meaning, for purpose. Mm. But what is the purpose there? Like if you just, if, if say you're in a 30 year marriage and then five to 10 years of that is just yeah. bad, mm. well, what, what's the end goal there if you then make it good again? What, yeah, okay, companionship. But I think you can get that from many other ways. I think um, if, if you're just talking about sex, you can definitely get that mm-hmm. <laughs> many other ways. Mm. Um, so, why why do you think a lot of men are um it's not that they're completely going against marriage like it's less some trendy of the MGTOW, yeah, yeah like some of the MGTOW guys but mm-hmm. they're just not as uh passionate about it as i'd assume they were in the yeah. earliest 20th yeah. century so i think that it's not necessarily down to men being so turned off by it. And there's a million reasons. First of all, you know, a dating culture and, and being single is trendy, but also the age that we used to get married only um, 20, 30 years ago, the average range was uh, age for like a woman was 22 mm. um, and now it's 30. And yeah. for men, it's 32 and a half. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the reason for that is that women – um, there's a much more focus on career in university and study. And, yep. you know, you finish studying at, um, like I finished studying at 25 <laughs> this yeah. year. And then um, I would, would want to be, if I, well, I've been working, but um, some people don't have the opportunity to have work during their studies. And then they're like, well, I want to have a few years in my career. And then they're 30 and then it's, then it becomes a priority. Yeah. And especially in Sydney, like big cities, your the biggest value almost is how you do in your career like if you go into like country towns and people are kind of living a much more simpler life it's very and often happier life because they don't have the pressure of that and often their relationships are much more fulfilling and and successful um and they say that some of the most well one of the most important things to determining a successful relationship is, is there's two the first one is um it's not how often you have conflict, it's how you resolve conflict yeah. is the single most important um, thing you should learn. And secondly, how much attention you give to each other because one of the reasons that um, breaking up and divorce is so prominent is that after you know a few years with those chemicals and the bonding, the serotonin kind of wear off, yeah. it, it does, it becomes work and you have to have a courtship and you have to put in 
effort and yeah, yeah and you have to remind yourself i've got to give attention to my partner and we we as humans have a much more um majority of us have like a negativity bias and that's because it's served yeah, us probably, in you know, yeah. hunting and gathering <laughs> days we got to assume we got to be suspicious we got to be cautious of these things and uh, people with a negativity bias to come to a positive side yeah it takes a lot of work and it's not natural for most people like um i know for for myself personally like in inside my head i don't have a lot of thoughts going around 24 7 and i would say 90 percent of my if not more thoughts are always positive and so people with a negativity bias they've been with someone for years and they're seeing oh my gosh he's left the toilet seat up for the fifth time this week and they're getting so angry and all they can see is look around and see all these little things that are frustrating them and then someone with a positivity bias might say that and just laugh or eye roll and be like oh whatever and but the thing is for everything that you seem um that is negative, you need mm-hmm. five positive things to redeem that. So if I'm coming home and I'm, I've said, oh, he's left the cup out and he's done this, I've just seen three negative things. Are you going to give me 15 positive interactions in one night? Probably not. But if you have a positivity bias, you're not going to, you're going to be looking around and being like, wow, look, Neil's hung the washing up and oh, he started cooking dinner. He cut an onion. That's so sweet. He sent me a text saying, hope your day was good. You're focusing on the positives and that's like the key to a successful relationship. Yeah. It's like finding little things to appreciate. Yeah, I, no, I understand yeah. all of that and I agree with you 100%. Um, I think uh, if you practice mindfulness and, and, mm. and you're patient and you're not striving for perfection an unrealistic idea of perfection mm. you're much more likely to have a happier marriage or relationship mm. but but i'm still questioning why um are, why do you think so many more there are so many more women who are like yeah i'm ready to get married i want to get married i want to have kids um but there are less men available in bigger cities it's trending that way anyway mm. um I don't know. I feel like it's trending that way for both genders because I know that a lot of women are thinking, you know, I've got to get myself out there. I've got to get myself in a career. I've got myself established. A lot of my friends have bought their places on their own own, um, and live in their own homes without a partner or or anything. So I think it's a trend for for both. It's just that'll be something that I come to later in life, but not necessarily I don't need it this very moment. I think part of it was uh, we saw our parents who lived through a generation that was after the 60s, so after mm. the Cultural Revolution, but it was still a very, it was still those, uh, the remnants of the pressures mm. of yesteryear to still stay with the marriage. Mm. You know, you're failing if you've divorced. Mm. Um, and we grew up with our parents being in a lot of unhappy marriages or like we grew up with divorced parents or Mm -hmm. uh, we saw them fighting or we saw one particular parent having it quite bad. Um, I'm not saying I experienced Mm. that or or anything, but, you know, you grew up with friends where a lot of probably about 50% had divorced parents and um, go over to friends' houses and their parents will be fighting and things. and yeah. You see something like that, and I think humans have an incredible capacity for suffering and mm. for even punishment 
and putting themselves through toil and hard work and sacrifice if they see there is a reward mm-hmm. or some sort of goal at the end that has meaning um, and is fulfilling. Yeah. And I just don't see, I personally, I really just, uh, again, I'm not, it sounds like I'm a bit more anti-marriage. And I yeah. know there's a lot of people out there with very, very happy marriages. And mm. this isn't me, you know, having a go at them or anything like that. But for, for me personally, I just, I uh, I question it. I just sort of wonder, I know that it'll be, at least I, I, I'm at a position where I think a lot of people will go into a marriage thinking, Oh, it's going to be so great, and mm-hmm. it's you know it's going to be perfect, and this is the mm-hmm. happiest day of my life, and it's going to stay that way. And you know, you're just dreaming. Like it's going to be work. There's mm-hmm. going to be conflict. There's going to be, uh, especially if kids come along. You know, people can get people can get sick uh, later in life. Uh, people can go through midlife crisis crises, and mm-hmm. you know, can you endure that? Can you put up with that? You know, you have to find that fine balance between um, sacrificing maybe some of your happiness to be with the person you love, but also not completely um, preventing yourself from experiencing happiness and joy and a fulfilling life and maybe having to make that terrible decision to uh, initiate a divorce. Yeah. So there's a lot of work. What's that, the point? What's yeah, the purpose? I do really yeah. <laughs> sometimes yeah. I'm just like, well, what, That's totally what am I fair. getting out of that work? Yeah, <laughs> I think, you know what, we do We do usually hear about and we see divorce and breakups and, and shitty relationships every, every single day. And mm. I think the purpose of, of marriage and why it's so, I guess, beneficial is if you think about our, just our basic needs, like psychological needs as humans, it's, it's – um, companionship, intimacy, security, um, love. um, And what's the single most effective way to get those things? It's going to have one person that makes a similar commitment to you to to feed that part of someone else. And, yeah, you can always get those things from other people, but it's a lot harder. Some people find it hard to have friends. Some people find it hard to make intimate relationships. Some people, you know, they're like, I can't afford a home on my own. That's... That's my lack of security, those kind of things. Yeah. So in, in some points, relationships fulfill many of the bare basic needs of human nature. Yeah. Or, or not just relationships, but marriage. It's a long-term official commitment to be like, I will put that through and, and push through these kind of issues for you. And I think that's why people like to formalize their marriage. It's like, what's the point of spending $40,000 for a certificate? It's a, it's almost like taking your next step it's psychologically. For the, it's for the Instagram photos, yeah. right? Nowadays. <laughs> it's kind of like this, like, this is the official commitment that I make to you. Um, and, you know, people can do that without a marriage. Easy, good for them. Other people are like, yeah. I want that marriage to celebrate. It's a celebration to them. Yeah. yeah. Celebrate for a lot cheaper. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just a lobe, honestly. <laughs> why, who would want to, you know, I'm too cheap to get married anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and again, Indians. You know, get an arranged marriage. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um. <laughs> so I agree with you. Like that's a good. That's a mentality that you should have getting into a long term, getting into any relationship. Yeah. It's a commitment, right? Mm. It's not just a self serving thing. Um, do you think too many people see? I talk. Older people will often say, "Oh, young people, they just give up too easily. They throw yeah. in the towel yeah. in relationships for anything these days." Whereas then, a lot of people our age will look at older relationships of maybe their grandparents or relatives or just mm. people they know and think, how the hell did they put up with that? Yeah. 
that's that's a well that's oppressive mm. uh what 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 do you think the truth is do you think that younger people millennials and even gen z now who would start getting married soon are we uh are we too soft <laughs> you know are we not willing to go through the hard times mm. or do you think that uh there was just way too much that went on in marriages of uh previous generations and they put up with way too much that they should have put up with and they would have been happier if they just got divorced. Yeah, I think it's um, it's interesting because I did see a trend which kind of, um, a, a stat, I mean, that actually surprised me. And it was that um, if you have had or lived with multiple partners, um, like in, in an apartment, mm-hmm. not at the same time, like I've boyfriends or whatever over the years you're actually much more likely to have a divorce rather than someone who's moved in at (laughs) engagement or marriage okay and i was thinking how does that make sense because i'm always the person saying you need to live with them because you need to who you are dating is very different to who you are living together and just quickly you're talking about someone who has cohabitated with a, a, a um someone they're dating uh, prior to getting married, yeah. just that person? Or do you mean someone who might have had, you know, five girlfriends or boyfriends before they found the person? Both, that got ma- okay, yeah. Both? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, well, sp- more so though, people that have had, like like I've had one boyfriend live with me for a couple of years, my last yeah. boyfriend lived with me, so multiple. Um, so I would be more likely to have a, a divorce. And the reasoning behind that is that you're comfortable and you know the process and you know how it feels to to get out of that living space with someone and you're like, well, it's not working out, move out. Really? Is that the reason? Yeah. yeah. It's just kind of like we've we've done it before, I've gone through it, it's not so terrifying. Let's do it. And I've, I've said this before, but um, Esther Perel says that, um, you know, back in the day we'd be breaking up, we'd be divorcing because relationships don't work and there's too much of an issue. Nowadays we're divorcing because for the prospect of something better, which is interesting because that's kind of, the, that's what MGTOW echoes as well. They're like, yeah. women leave us for something better. <laughs> um, and I'm sure Esther Perel does not support MGTOW, but she does say, you know, we are kind of throwing in the towel because we're like, well, I could do better than this. I could get a man that does this, this, and this for me. Or, or I'm sure men will say that too, but you know, 80% of women or more 80 to 90% of women are instigating divorces. So they're more likely to be the ones saying that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I don't even, I, mm, yeah, actually, I don't know what to say about that. Mm. Um, and I'm sure seeing like, I don't know your parents, having divorced parents is also an indicator that you yourself are more likely to get divorced. Um, really? yeah. Um, because you may have kind of embedded views about marriage and then agree to get committed like commit to a marriage um Mm. you may not be like you may think it's it's unlikely to be successful um or it's it's there's a chance it might not be successful so you might not commit to that same degree Mm. like subconsciously you might not commit obviously (laughs) and that's a scary prospect If, if if even if you're as communicative as possible but there are just different subtleties in the way you interpret the meaning mm-hmm. of the marriage and the meaning mm-hmm. of the commitment. And then down the track, that blows up into bigger issues. Mm. Um, that, that's a, I'd, I'd assume that's also a common 
mm. issue in uh, yep. in a lot of uh, marriages and and just long term relationships. Like there's a certain expectation that one person feels the other person isn't fulfilling, yes, and then that person starts getting resentful mm-hmm. and pulling away. But that person's like, well, no, you did. <laughs> Mm. then you got to toe that line between like am i being selfish asking for this much or am i just having self-worth for myself yeah and see those sorts yeah. of questions are um you know this is a big it's a, such a big decision right like yeah. who you marry is that's the person you're going to spend most of the time with for y- your whole life it's the person mm. you're going to most likely have kids with you're gonna you know share so much with that person mm. um Sometimes I think maybe the more traditional way of looking or the, you know, the Indian way of looking mm. at it where you don't base it on, on love, but you based it on common values, yeah. common interests, mm-hmm. uh, even common class distinction in India, uh, common religion. So there's just so many more That's things actually you right. have in, in You're common. accidentally becoming very compatible without yeah. having even really knowing the person. That's totally right. And what's interesting is that I kind of thought I had assumed before I did the research that most of the divorce rates would be from people that are like 40 or 50, but majority of the divorces happen from people between the ages of 25 and 29. And 25 to 20 yeah. in, in, in Australia. Yeah. And the reason for that was right. because these are the people that are getting married really young at 21 for love and then not actually <laughs> knowing if you're yeah. compatible long term. Um, so, you know, alongside uh, okay. the, the things I mentioned before about showing appreciation and, and giving your partner attention and how you resolve conflict, another massive underlying thing is you have to have um, companionship and compatibility. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine being divorced at 25. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Smile. Send us a message if you're divorced. If you're in yeah. your early twenties and divorced, I want to hear comment. from you. That's that's interesting. I'm not making fun of you. Or anything. If, if anything, you've lived a life. Yeah. Wow. That's really fast. I mean, there's a lot of single parents or yeah. people with kids at that age. Mm. Uh, but to be divorced at that age, mm. that's it's yeah. just uh wow. You've lived. You've you've experienced so much that you'd associate with people who are at least 40, 50. Yeah. Um. Super interesting. And I can understand it like when you're a young adult and you're still kind of getting your footing in life and in relationships and you fall so fast in love or so so um, heavy in love with someone for the first time, you think this means yeah. everything. The fact that I love this person <laughs> that much yeah. doesn't matter. He's got these flaws. That's okay. I can overlook them because I love him so much. Yeah. But, you know, then reality hits in that mm. you have to be – you have to accept those flaws for the rest of your relationship. Yeah, and it's a, in many ways a lot of these toxic relationships can be a symptom of the, just the lack of self-worth. A lot. It, mm-hmm. Boomers and things will say, oh, millennials are Gen Z, they're so narcissistic, they think so highly of themselves. It's To some degree, yes, but it's also uh, the opposite is true where there's just such a massive lack of self-worth in a lot yeah. of people that – they or or a lack of fulfillment in other uh necessary areas of their life intimacy connection Mm. kinship so they put all of that emphasis on a romantic partner yeah and that is just it's not that it's impossible for that person to fulfill those needs but you are asking for a lot that's a lot you're asking for this person to fulfill things that historically would have been fulfilled by the family the extended family the community the church the Mm. the country you know Men would have gone to war and build a tribe. brotherhood with their with their <laughs> yeah. um, compatriots. So, 
Uh, now we're putting so much emphasis on this one relationship. Mm. And again, it doesn't mean that it, it, it can't fulfill those things, but it, it's asking a lot from this one institution that has already just over the last 50 to 60 years evolved, merged, changed so much mm. that I think a lot of people still, it's not that they don't know what it means, but it means so many different things to different people. You know, a conservative Christian, what marriage means to them yeah. would be very, very different to what it means to say yes. you or, or, yeah. or myself. So mm. this is just a very, it's just a broad marriage. I mean, I, don't, I just don't even know it. It's a very subjective term now almost. Yeah, it is. And I, I saw that 100 years ago in, in 1920, 80, uh, 97% of marriages were religious ceremonies and now mm. it's 85% are non-religious ceremonies. Um, so just that how much it's changed. But um, one of the that the studies that were done by John Gottman, the long one that was 20 years where yeah. he's gone from before marriage up until now, the couples that were still together – um, for 20 years that said that they had the shared values and companionship and the long-term goals. They just agreed on everything. They all agreed that in 20 years, their happiness and their love for each other was only increasing each year, which is pretty rare. Um, yeah, so, and pretty up. amazing. <laughs> so then he went to look at like, why are these people so successful? And then why is, 50 to 60% of the other couples in this study that we've looked at for 20 years. So why didn't they work out? And so he's come up with these four indicators for divorce or what he calls the four horsemen. And the yeah, first okay. one is criticism. And it's like when you start saying it, you never do this or you always leave this out and you're always slobby rather than just being like, why can't you just pick up the cup, please? Like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the second one he said is is the most Definitely. common indicator for um, divorce. And you brought it up before that power dynamic is contempt. And it's kind of like this someone in their relationship is feeling more superior. So you might come home and be like, oh, I've had a really like tough day at work and then I could turn around and be like you've had a tough day I had to clean the kitchen I had to get the kids to school oh, I had God. to hang the washing like you you got to sit oh. behind a desk and air conditioning like that gives me, that gives <laughs> me nightmares like that's yeah just <laughs> that's content and that is the single most um determining factor for divorce and that's based on on mm. and research um so don't do that don't take don't Think, assume that you're um, higher than your partner or better. And it's sometimes we do fall into that trap. And like you said before, women um, can can wear the pants. And sometimes that's great. And men like that. They're like, I love a woman that's powerful. I, well, I love a woman in charge. Other times a woman's like, it can kind of go the other way where she'll be like, no, <laughs> you cannot do this. You cannot say this. You yeah. cannot, you're not satisfying anything for me. Those kind of things. Um, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not you know, bringing this out, I'm, I'm saying, oh, this is yeah. women's fault or anything like yeah. that, but just the institution itself um, and, and, and the commitment that people are making, uh, I'm just questioning it, that's all. Mm. I'm not, I'm not yeah, saying it's all, it's, all, it's all women yeah. or whatever like that. Mm. Uh, just really quickly, because I forgot to touch on this actually, but um, a big reason, not just uh, men in the MGTOW move, movement, but many men in general, would cite for being skeptical of marriage is divorce settlements. Yes. And some of the, especially when you look at some of the celebrity divorce settlements, 
and you just sort of think, you know, okay, I would totally understand if if it goes the other way, right? Like mm-hmm. if if a, if you know Madonna had a boyfriend who didn't have nearly as much money as her, and then they got divorced, and then suddenly she has to pay him two hundred grand a month. I'd be like, well, no, that's a joke. That's her money. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are situations. Don't get me wrong. There are hundred mm-hmm. percent situations where. Uh, it was a partnership, it was a team, and maybe the the man or the one person was the face of the business or the mm. face of the fortune, but it was a team effort. Mm. But in, in some situations, it just doesn't look to be that way at least, and you just sort of wonder, well, what? Yeah, that is a big, a, big argument for the, for the MGTOW movement, and it it's I get mixed feelings about it because... I, like I said before, you know, it really, really depends on on the relationship. If you were, if I was Madonna and you know I it was fifty, whatever, how old she is, and I had a twenty year old, and I was that rich, mm. and I would probably just say to him, "Look, don't worry, you don't have to work. I just want you to kind of hang around me, like I'm a millionaire, whatever." Um, and then five years later, we're divorced, and he's like, "Well, I haven't." earn money in five years because you told me not to and you said that you would support me, I think it would make sense to give him some of her money because that, that was a commitment, maybe not half. But, yeah, that's um, <laughs> but and then, you know, if you're, if you're raising children, that's where it gets really, really tricky where men go on and on and on about this, but she couldn't work because she was raising your kids. Yeah, and I totally yeah. agree with, like, uh, the child support and, and things. And I think a good, you know, if a man cares about his children, he would just pay it anyway. Yeah. You shouldn't need a court to legislate that. I can only imagine there, there's some really bitter and, and messy divorces mm. where the man then is denied custody. Now, I don't yeah. – the, the the narrative from the um, manosphere and the Mugtown movement is that he didn't do anything wrong and the courts just always lean towards the mm. women. Now, I'm – skeptical of that Mm. i could be the case but i would imagine i don't know you tell me nowadays um assuming that it's uh it could be a messy divorce it could be bitter but if no criminal behavior or no abusive behavior took place surely it would be a sort of 50 50 child custody arrangement right yeah at least try to try to get as close to that as possible. Yeah. Well, I work with families and I do see a lot of this go through the court proceedings. And first of all, one of like the worst aspects of it is how much it actually costs to have a divorce. Like that itself mm. can be $50,000. Um, but there, there is, you know, men are more likely to get screwed over when it comes to um, custody but that being said, what they look at is, okay, you know, she's working 20 hours a week and you're working 60 who can provide the most care for the, these children. And that's usually how they determine it. It's not often based on who the kids like more or, or their attachment or things like that. Mm. So that's when he'll be like, well, I want 50-50, but then this, she'll be saying, well, if he has 50-50, Four of those nights a week, the kids are going to have to be in childcare to 8.30 p.m. Why can't they stay with me, the primary caregiver, instead of waiting till you get home where they can see you for half an hour before you go to bed? What's going to be better for those children? Um, so it is really hard because I also empathize with the with the men that go through that where they're like, well, I'm, I've been working so I can provide for my family. Yeah. yeah. I, I can see both arguments yeah. there and I definitely... 
feel for the men as well because mm-hmm. I'm sure they were working uh, in the first place because that's a major reason why men will break their back at work is because they want to provide a good life for their family and, and give mm. their kids and, and their wife the thing, at least historically, the, the, the things that uh, they want. Yeah. Now, um, it's uh, in many cases, it's a lot more 50-50. And mm. I, I think nowadays the, the best way to do it is, is keep it as 50-50 as possible. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah, there's that. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely, there's that. Just keep things as 50-50 as possible, right? There's yeah. plenty of women there with great careers and... At, Actually, up to age 33, women now earn more than men. Mm. Um, so just if you have kids, I don't know, if you can both work three days a week or something and, and just share everything as 50-50. Well, that I know that's good. very idealistic. Like, yeah. I don't know, in in, in, a, in the actual situation, I don't know what's The thing like, I, but that like, I do actually understand about the MGTOW process, that probably one of the only things I agree with is that it is the court system is really – it's so scary to think that how often – or whether or not your kids get to live with you is determined by total and complete strangers. And you have to pay them yeah. 50 to 100 grand for them to tell you, sorry, you can't see your kids. That's like That's pretty crazy. Horrible, yeah. yeah. If, if, but for men who have not done anything abusive, if yeah. if they've just had a bad, the, the marriage ended badly and uh, I can sim- empathize with uh, the extent of resentment and, when relationships, you know, go down a, a negative path and it's been building up for years. Yeah. My God, like they, <laughs> the two people just hate each other. Yeah. So they're willing to pay the divorce lawyers to just take them to the cleaners and, oh, mm-hmm. see, like that just terrified. That also just gives me nightmares because you obviously go into a marriage thinking this is perfect, we're going to mm. be so happy. You mm. have your big wedding day and you get mm. all this, all your friends and your family are saying congratulations. Mm. Oh, we're so happy for you and I'm sure... You know, parents are obsessed with seeing their kids get married so that you see them really happy. And then 15 years, 20 years later, you end up just hating each other. Yeah. And you've probably been doing that for a few years. Yeah. And you've got to pay another 50 grand to go through this horrible divorce procedure. And then the poor kids, you know, you probably feel very, very guilty as well, but you just know that this isn't, oh, like that yeah. just absolutely mm. terrifies me. Most divorces happen, I think the median um, was 12 and a half years. And okay. what's interesting about that is that, you know, you have your, your you're, in a, you're dating someone and you have this goal of engagement mm-hmm. and then you have, or, or living together, and then you have the goal of engagement and you're working towards that and committing to them. And then you have the goal of marriage. So you're working towards that and committing to them. And then usually it's a house and you're working towards that and committing to them. And then it's children and then it's raising children. And then it's that's it. Where's the purpose of a like? How do we keep committing but, to each other? But kind if it's of thing? twelve and a half years, you don't do all of that in. You don't raise a couple of kids in twelve and a half years. Yeah, but you know the novelty of kids wears off <laughs> after a couple <laughs> of years. Probably. You know, you get you get used to it. You get in the swing of it. You've got this routine. The kids are six. Right. Yeah. So there's nothing to work towards. Yeah. That's a fair point. Never thought of it yeah. about that. Yeah, I suppose because then you get all those like boomer couples that where the kids have left and they just go on cruises. Yeah, probably get coronavirus. Yes, literally, <laughs> empty nesters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think like it's, it's where the midlife crisis comes in exactly. for a lot of people as well. They're like, oh, I've done it all. Yeah, you know, you're 45. You've got kids. They might be primary school, high school yeah. age. You've got a you've got a wife, you've got a house, and if it was 20 years ago, you probably got like an investment property too. 
And then you're like, what the hell do I do what now? Do do? Yeah, I'm I want to live buy my youth car. again. Yeah, <laughs> and you've been, and then you've been in this. You know what? Another big thing is is just the um, the safety that comes with a domestic partnership, but also the lack of excitement. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about just day to day married life, and it's That's breakfast a very with good the kids, point. cleaning, yeah. picking them, taking them to school, picking them up, taking them to some sport, and and you do mm-hmm. all of that obviously because you want your kids to have the best life and you love them. Mm-hmm. Um, then having dinner, and then you know you you're both probably tired by the end of it, so the sex obviously dries up and things like that. Um, that's another thing. Not and, and obviously. I re- not, not always. No, not always. <laughs> not but always. In Esther Perel, uh, her one about mating in captivity, yeah. there's a lot of good strategies um, and just ways that she's yeah. talked about to keep that romance alive. Mm. Um, no, definitely not always, but the, the stereotype is definitely, yeah. you know, oh, if you want to stop having sex, get married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's just yeah. like so terrifying. But like... Um, it's I so do true. understand it yeah. though, because you know, especially if you've got like three or four kids. I mean, like, how the hell? Just do you don't get do time? that. <laughs> focus on Man, yeah, have true. like two and focus <laughs> on your relationship. <laughs> that's my that's my plan. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. The Catholics back in the day having <laughs> having ten kids. Um, yeah, good on them. To be honest, oh, no. I don't know how they did that. Um, but the, there's just no like there's. Where do they get excitement? Do you, you know, know what? Let like, me answer. Yeah, okay. Because I have, you know how I was talking in one of the other podcasts about that re- relationship coach for, for women, Matthew mm-hmm. Hussey, that's wildly popular. He has this kind of concept of, you know, when, when relationships die down, it's kind of like um, not just the showing appreciation and, and finding things you appreciate about people, but he was like, you need to be constantly working on bettering yourself within your relationship as well. And that doesn't mean like um, doing like meditation. It means like, you know what, go to the gym, join a pottery class, find things that you're interested outside of your relationship, socialize, have friends, do these things that are bettering to yourself. Because first of all, it makes your partner see more value in you as well as being like, well, look at my, look at my partner. She can do this. She's out doing this. She's got all these interests that she can talk to me about, keep uh-huh. the conversation fresh. She's still, you know, working out or eating healthy or, or interested in those things. Um, it's good for her mental health and her, and her physical health. It's those kind of things where we find, um, our partners attractive over long term as w- compared to the partners where we just, sit and and you kind of like the netflix and chill partners and then four years have passed right. and you're like oh my gosh this it's this person same, we're yeah. just merged into one person we're totally enmeshed and then yeah. you kind of like accidentally lose respect for them yeah respect is so important the yeah, second yeah. you lose respect it's kind of it's really hard to come back from oh god you don't want to lose yeah. respect for the person yeah. you're going to spend your life with that's insane. yeah i don't know like i hear something like that and i agree with it 100 mm-hmm. percent. i think Regardless of whether you're in a relationship or not, you you got to be. You know, I think it's it's just healthy to always be, have have hobbies, have interests, do yeah. things for yourself. Um, I'd imagine a lot of <laughs> there are people with kids or married listening to this podcast. They'd be say, "Well, you know, I don't have time." Uh, yeah, if, let us know you your got, thoughts. If you got kids, especially, <laughs> you can't. I don't know if you can go to. You probably go to like a pottery class a week or something <laughs> like that. But then. You don't want to obviously neglect the kids. Um, yeah, you know, we don't want uh, that. Definitely don't do that. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, you th- you, maybe what if the kids are looking at their parents and they're like, 
mom, you know, I want to spend, mom or dad, I want to spend time with you tonight. I've drawn these things. And they're like, no, i got a pottery class. Yeah, like, take turns. Like, you don't have to do it together. going to be like, well, You live together. You've been together for <laughs> 10 years. I'm sure it's fine to be like, babe, you look after the kids for a couple hours. I'm going out. I'm going to get, or have a cocktail with the girls, you know. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it'll be interesting to see what people say because, you know, we, we're both in our mid-20s talking about That's marriage true. and divorce. Yeah, I know. And neither of which we've experienced. That's so very true. let us know. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I'm pretty sure most of our audience is around our age as well. So, um, or younger. Yeah, I'm wondering so. if there's any listeners with kids, let us know. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah. Um, and then the last point I'll add is like a lot of this also just takes money. Like if you if you're you know working class, we quite it might be hard mm. to uh, work part time or to you know work the hours that make it possible to do a lot of these other things and. It, I could be wrong here, but if I'm if I remember correctly, it's uh, men of lower incomes that are now more likely than ever to avoid marriage or to get divorced. Oh, yes, it's, I didn't it's know that. Working class um, in mm. the UK, I think oh. I, I'm not sure if I remember that article correctly, but men who work blue collar jobs, mm. well, one because a lot of those jobs are just leaving, um, mm. and we are transitioning from a more manufacturing kind of economy to well we're, we've been doing that for 30 years yeah. but uh those sorts of jobs don't have the esteem and purpose that they once did mm. cost of living is uh rising and if you're working minimum wage jobs it's, it's mm-hmm. wouldn't be easy to even doing extra things extra classes going to the gym all of this adds up all this costs money and if you've yeah. got three kids right like you, you know it's not Again, like I, like Eliza said, we we haven't done that. I definitely don't know what it's like. Mm. Um, I don't have three kids. Get into like Not frisbee yet. or something instead of pottery classes. Frisbee, <laughs> or soccer. Right. <laughs> now that I think okay. about it, there's a few yeah. more options. Yeah, other maybe, than maybe before yeah, frisbee. The, those sorts of guys <laughs> want to do frisbee, right? But probably just want to go to the pub and drink, which is what they do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah easier said than done i guess a lot of this stuff but it's still important things to to um think about and mm-hmm. yeah interesting discussion um would be interested to read some of the comments and hear other people's thoughts um but like with a lot of things that we've talked about some of the traditional confines of various cultural institutions such as marriage have dissipated right and i think we're at this mm. point now where I wouldn't say it's a free-for-all, but a lot of people can interpret and design marriage and relationships for themselves and for the way that best suits their personality, which can be extremely liberating and a wonderful thing. And I would encourage people, especially men that might have gone through a bad relationship or divorce, to think about it that way. Um, Again, easier said than done. I totally understand that. But at the same time, with that freedom and that lack of a very clear path, it can cause a lot of anxiety and it can cause a lot of confusion and and a lot of people who might not have direction and then, as you say, get quite sceptical of things mm-hmm. because they might have a negativity bias or it mm-hmm. might just be that it is a more <laughs> negative thing to do. You know, we don't know that. Um, so we are at an interesting time in the next 20 to 30 years. Will be It will be um, fun to see how marriage may evolve or maybe it, it might even go take a step backwards and turn to a more conservative outlet uh, outlook like with things like trad wives and, yeah and um just by virtue of the fact that mm. 
more socially conservative people are probably having more kids and those kids mm-hmm. are probably, I'd assume, more likely to be socially conservative, whereas more uh, liberal or, you know, culturally left-leaning people aren't having as many kids. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and, and immigrants in general are, are much more likely to be socially conservative mm-hmm. and get married very young. Yeah. I, I know all about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my parents were nothing like that. Um, but, uh, you know, go out to Western Sydney and, uh, I'm sure yes. there wouldn't be many, um, you know, polyamorous couples no, <laughs> out there, but the, no. you know, they should be <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting, interesting to talk about. And that was a, it was a good discussion. Do you have any, uh, concluding remarks? Yeah. Just don't have too many kids. That's about <laughs> it. What if they it's bad wanted? for the environment. Yeah, <laughs> it's I the think single ado- worst thing you can do for the, the adoption, environment. Adoption's a good Adopt. Seems yeah. like a good idea. Foster. We need more foster carers. Yeah. And then look, if you foster a 15-year-old, then it was five years. It's, yeah. not, it's not 20, 20 plus. Yeah. <laughs> and you get paid for fostering. Less commitment. And then the way I, I'm sorry to, you know, delve into another rabbit hole here, but like I just, I was talking to a friend about this a few weeks ago, right? And if you adopt a kid that has grown up in, say, really harsh circumstances or, mm. you know, if you foster a child that has uh, lived a really um, horrible life so far, then assuming you're not an atrocious parent, there will always be a net positive for that child. Yes. No matter what, even if even if they were going to become a violent criminal but now they're just going to be on Centrelink or whatever. Like you've yeah. done a net positive yes. for society 100%. that you've not you you have improved not only that child's life but the you have improved society by yeah. doing that, right? Whereas if you have your own kids, um I know it's all it's very intrinsic that we want to have our own mm. progeny and spread mm. our seed and whatever, mm. but you are then bringing in a new person into the world and it's it's neutral as to whether or not, you know, this is an indifferent moral situation, mm-hmm. right? It's neutral as to whether or not they will have a net positive effect on society. They will, as you say, almost certainly have a net negative effect on the environment. Yeah. Um, depending on, look, you know, technology is improving, hopefully. Improves yeah. a lot faster, but we'll, we'll have to see. But adoption and fostering, the more I've thought about this, right, it, it, it not only does it seem like, um, uh, a very virtuous thing to do, but it 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 seems like a, a c- collectively for for the health of society, it it has a very net positive effect. Mm-hmm. Again, assuming that you're not going to make the child's life worse than what it otherwise would have, and you'd have to be yeah. a pretty bad parent. To, to you'd do be that. surprised. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, re- yeah. Oh, interesting. Some people get into it for the wrong reasons. Oh God. Yeah. yeah no. D- yeah. Then don't do that. Um, <laughs> But anyway, I just thought I'd, that just sort yeah. of came up in my mind. <laughs> yeah. Moral of that story. Yeah. Um, Adopt and foster. There you go. Save uh, the kids. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Uh, follow and subscribe if you haven't already. Yeah, give us a share on, on an Instagram story, on Snapchat, on Facebook. Uh, it uh, helps us out. And tell your friends about the podcast. And we will see you next time, guys. See you next week. Thank you.